Welcome back to We Are Already Free, a podcast helping free people to live their truth and be the change. If you're done with being disempowered by the things you can't control and you feel ready to spend your one precious life growing a beautiful world, welcome, this is for you. Have you been feeling heavy with all the intensity going on and taking life seriously recently? Good news, that's exactly what we're going to help you with on this week's episode with Lily Zapeda, where you will receive a big fat injection of laughter, joy, and deeply healing rooted humor. Lily Zapeda is a certified trauma-informed yoga instructor and plant medicine integration specialist with over 10 years of experience leading workshops, retreats, and working with master coaches. She combines her training at the Ecology of Shamanism School with her experience in inner child work, somatics, and polyvagal theory foundations. Lily specializes in helping others to innerstand their bodies, nervous system, regulation, and sacred medicine healing journeys. She believes that plant medicine's profound healing experiences do not end with the ceremony, and her integration coaching allows clients to unify the visions, messages, and epiphanies from the experience into their day-to-day life. We laugh so much in this episode, and it really is the best medicine. So listen on to hear us chuckling about making the ordinary extraordinary with playfulness, how zooming out can really put things in perspective, why it is so important to care for the beautiful temple of your heart, why integration is a really important, critical missing piece for so many retreats, plant medicine journeys, and transformational experiences. How you can be a creator in a society full of job titles. And near the end, Lily shares an uplifting message of why you truly are the queen or king of your sovereign self. There is so much more goodness in here. I feel all twinkly just thinking about it. I'm your host, Nathan Maingard. As a highly sensitive human in a terrifyingly insensitive society, I was nearly crushed by my efforts to fit a mold our society calls being a good citizen. Now I am dedicated to inspiring down-to-earth seekers and free people to live their truth and be the change. I share breathwork, empowering songs, stories and poems, transformational one-to-one coaching, men's circles, ice baths, and really whatever is needed to remind you that you are already free. One of the great lies of the current common narrative is that you are alone, you're isolated, and there's no one else out there who gets it or who's like you, and... I think that's such a bad story. It's such a it's such a hopeless story. So to support all of us on this path of remembering our innate connections, I am very proud to share the We Are Already Free community. By listening to this podcast, you're already a part of it. So welcome and well done. I invite you to deepen your journey by visiting alreadyfree.me forward slash community where you can meet other listeners, comment on podcast episodes, take the five-day morning practice challenge, be a part of a tribe of like-hearted souls from around the world, join weekly live breathwork sessions and replays, and, well, a lot more. (laughs) This is also the single best way to offer an energy exchange to help keep this podcast abundant, ad-free, and full-powered, supporting the We Are Already Free message in reaching more people every day. So please do visit alreadyfree.me slash community for more details after this episode. For now, I'm going to invite you just to check in and connect in with your body. So whatever it is that you're doing in this moment, if it feels safe and if it feels good to do so, you can just take a gentle breath. Just notice where the breath is in your body. And I'll invite you to breathe in a beautiful slow breath and release a sigh, another breath, let it out, one more breath, release, and now just breathing in for a count of four, two, three, four, And then breathing out, two, three, four, five, six. Releasing the breath, releasing all effort, noticing what's happening in your body in this moment, noticing any changes you might feel. The original meaning of the word, the root of the word spirit, simply means to breathe. Everything you are looking for, 
Everything you think you need out there is right here in your breath, just waiting for you to come home. So with that, I wish you much joy in listening to this very fun, very giggly conversation with the delightful human, Lily Zepeda. Oh man. Anyway, so well, thank you for coming back on. It's uh, really kind of you to be patient. It's never fun when technicalities don't go right. And our last one recorded and then just sounded terrible. There was some weird goggledy gobbledygook. So welcome back, Lily Zepeda. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you. It's so I, I love talking to you, so I'm game on for this anytime. Oh. You can invite me on every week. <laughs> okay, well, this is great. This is, it was the We Are Already Free podcast, which had multiple guests sharing many different things. Now it's just Nathan and Lily every week. <laughs> <laughs> we can show up in different wigs every week, you know? That's true. We can do stuff like that, have fun. Accents. Um, anyway, so, well, just seeing as we're chuckling here in the beginning, I, a question which popped up that I would wanted to ask you is, what do you think the world would be like if people took themselves less seriously? Oh, wow. You know, I think about that too, in terms of even just like, what would the world be like if we all just took some, we Michael Jost on shrooms, you know? And, and the why, reason why I say that is because I do feel like uh, shrooms gives you that sense of, um, that feeling of like, wow, I, I can just lay back a little bit. I can just not take it all seriously. I could just like stare at this tree for an hour. I could like giggle at myself and the outfit I'm wearing and how much effort I put into it. And I think that we would be nicer to each other, even just at the grocery store, you know, <laughs> like um, we'd be nicer to each other in these like daily aspects of her life that sometimes you feel like, wow, is, is everybody on something? Is everybody like, you know, um, so yeah, I think it would be, it would be like being on shrooms, microdosing of shrooms. <laughs> nice. And cause humor seems to be a big part of kind of, I mean, you're a med deep medicine worker and often I find deep medicine work is associated with seriousness. And mm. interestingly enough, the honey coin who I've sat with, with, uh, ayahuasca a few times, they always are saying throughout the night, no matter how serious and intense things get, they're just occasionally will just sort of shout out. So alegria, so alegria, only joy, only joy. And it's, uh, mm. how, how does that, is that kind of a thing you've always felt was like a part of how you expressed in the world? Or was it something you reconnected with or connected with at some point? Oh, that's a really good question. I think that humor was something that I used as a coping mechanism, but I also used as just trying to always stay in touch with that inner child. I think when I grew up um, as a child, I didn't understand why adults got so serious. It felt like I was observing adults walk, uh, like adults walking around as robots. And I was always kind of looking over my shoulder going, is, is that like the way, is that what we're going to do is like walk into work, get on my computer have a phone call. Like, is that how it's going to be? Is this what I look forward to? And so I think my way of always trying to keep it fresh was just inserting a joke or having a little observation about life and its quirkiness or something like that. And I noticed people around me just got lighter, right? We would just giggle about, you know, the ordinary and all of a sudden it became extraordinary. And I think I, I really have no business being in this world unless there's a little playfulness. Like that is my essence is just to play with people. And to your point about the medicine world is like, yes, it's serious in the sense of I take the ceremony and the sacredness serious, but you also have to realize that some wild stuff can happen. And sometimes a way of processing it is through humor and to not take it all so seriously and just be like, wow, that was some wild shit, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when my my grandmother was passing, I wasn't there, and I didn't. Un unfortunately, I didn't know her very well. Um, but she was in England, and she was pretty old, and she kind of like dementia. She just wasn't herself anymore. Like she had kind of gone already, uh, sort of mentally, but was still there physically, generally, and uh, was in a little home. And they kind of knew she was passing, and so my two aunts went and my aunts yeah, you'd probably say in America 
my aunt. Oh yeah, aunt uh, instead of <laughs> my aunt sat with her for like ten days, and one of the things I think I always remember is them talking about how obviously it's the most brutal, intense sadness, and and also my grand just kind of refused to eat, so they eventually they just let her. They were like, clearly she's wanting to go, so let's just be with her, and it took some time of her just slowly letting go and. They said it was just so intense, like sleepless and and sadness and memories and life and all the things. And then at times they said it was just hysterical, like that they would just mm. find it's like something would just be so funny, or they'd remember something, or they something would happen, or and they would just find themselves like in in just absolute fits of laughter. And I was like, wow, what a beautiful remembrance or reminder that even in the most intense spaces, that there there must be laughter at least some totally and i think just even just being in this if you think about we're in this like human vessel uh where we we walk around in this world trying to figure it out and some people feel like we i have it i have it all figured out and then you realize you don't have it figured out and it's just it's hilarious if you think about it if you really sit down and think being a human is hilarious it's pretty hilarious <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a there's a great uh, comedian who I've really been enjoying recently called Pete Holmes. I don't know if you've seen any of his stuff, and he does a he does one where my favorite piece of his. I think it's absolute. It's like pure channeled genius. It's and he says. He basically talks about life makes no fucking sense. He's like, it makes yes. no fucking sense. He's like, you think you're in a country? Zoom out. Like, yeah. you're on a rock floating in infinity and the infinity has no edge. And he like, he's like, it makes no sense. And he just so speaks to the madness of it all. Like, what the fuck is going on, really? <laughs> yeah, I feel like everybody, you're exactly right, should watch that. When, uh, like, let's say you're getting really boiled up about like a meeting or an email that pissed you off, you kind of got to zoom out. Like, am I going to care about this when I'm 80 and I'm just right. sitting here like smoking a cigar and I'm 80 on my porch and I'm like, remember that email? Remember that email that pissed me off? You know? And I feel like that's where I have to put myself in perspective. Yeah, I relate to that. I mean, I even had it come up just a few days ago where I was. My my lovely lady Carly is just gone away actually this morning for six weeks. And yesterday I was I had a very full day. I had a lot of things. I was meant to be editing a podcast and it was coming out today and I had all these different things. And I suddenly stopped myself. I was like, when I'm old, am I gonna look back and be like, well, it's a good thing I didn't spend that day with Carly before she went away for six weeks. Like and I did my work and I was like an upstanding citizen. I went, oh fuck that, I cancelled pretty much everything and and she also needed my help it was like she was uh premenstrual so her moon time was coming and emotions were high and i just was like i i have so much capacity in this moment i'm so chilled let me like just and i went i went driving around picking up things and doing other things and like just let her have that spaciousness we didn't even spend that much more time together than we would have but i was there for her right. and just that shift yep. in perspective like my my day was way better because i was more honest about what my priority was in that moment yeah yeah any one partner of the week <laughs> exactly which is what i'm always as we were talking before we started recording it's basically all just to to compensate for the deep insecurity that i have roamed this earth with <laughs> exactly. exactly yeah anyway um well let's get on to like let's keep it funny for a bit before well who knows we could okay. keep it funny the entire time but yeah. one of the things we we spoke about last time which i'm still i would love to to share with the world because it's it's just a great using comedy for something really rad and serious, which is your documentary, Mr. Toilet. Mm. Tell us about yeah. your doc documentary. Yeah, so the full name of the documentary, and every time I tell somebody this, like at a party, they're like, what? So the full name is Mr. Toilet, the world's number two man. And if you if you get the connotation of the number two, right? And it also has a double meaning because he considers himself not the likely hero, the number one guy. He considers himself like the unlikely hero that kind of messes up a lot. And so he's number two. He's not number one. Um, but really, he's a Singapore businessman who decided to like give up all his uh, business work, his entrepreneurship, and dedicate himself to something that no one else would dedicate themselves to, which is shit, basically. So he realized 40% of the population or more didn't have access to something basic, which was a toilet. And he thought, like, how could this be? And it was also something like close to his heart because as a child, he didn't have a toilet. You know, he had to go outside in a bucket, if you can imagine that. 
Um, but he realized nobody was going to listen to bureaucrats talk about like health and sanitation and safe sanitation, da, 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 da. He, he said, you know, I've got to take a humorous spin on this. So he decided he was going to be like the James Bond of toilets because when you turn 007 upside down, it spells Lou. And he was just going to make a joke out of himself. And he convinced the United Nations to make World Toilet Day an official holiday, November 19th. I'm not sure how you celebrate, Nathan. But um, it was, I really admired his sense of wonder that he kept even in his you know older age and how he used humor to drive something important. Um, he didn't, he didn't care about speaking of perfectionism. He didn't care about being perfect. He just cared about being effective. So if people were making fun of him, that was perfect because he was getting attention for the cause or attention for something that was really disgusting and dirty. And he turned it around and his whole thing was like, I want to make poop culture, pop culture. So I thought it was quite genius and he's been somewhat effective and somewhat not sometimes. <laughs> but the, how there's so many little one-liners in there like was it pop culture poop culture or something i mean that's amazing <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah yeah i love that because he he was like what are the kids doing right like how do i keep up with the jonases so i think that's why he related like finding a way to make poop culture uh pop culture yeah that's freaking awesome. I, I feel like that's such a good medicine for me who tends to take things too, far too seriously at times. And it's nice to be reminded to just actually not take my shit so seriously. Um, well, uh, interestingly, on a, on a slight segue, have you, did you ever watch the, um, the pot, pot, what was it? The pot, squatty potty video. Ooh, yes, I think I have. I think I have. I feel like I've watched every single, like, every single thing that had to do with poop during that five years I was making the documentary. So much so that every day somebody would be up in my DM sending me the latest, like, poop joke or whatever, or the latest <laughs> poop product. So I went through that whole phase, and I'm a little out of the loop now that, like, the documentary has gone on its own life. So, so yes, I probably have seen that. Probably. Well, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes and send it to you anyway. The, you're out of the poop loop. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I actually thought Poopery had some of the most genius marketing. Do you know that company? I don't. Oh, Poopery. Oh, you must know. It's a spray that you take with you. You know, let's say you're going out of town or you're using somebody else's bathroom and you don't want to stink up their bathroom. You use a little spray and it's a pretty effective spray. If you go to the bathroom, nobody will know. Nobody will know. But their marketing is genius. It's this like, you know, very beautiful English gal, always dressed up. And she talks about poop the whole time. And uh, it, the juxtaposition of how gross her language gets and how like um, high-end and elite she looks is just hilarious. And their campaign was, I thought, was right on. That's awesome. I really, really want to start making memes and it's maybe it's my perfectionism again, but I just love them so much. And I think they're such a great mode of communication. So I was looking up a little like meme course, which I feel almost embarrassed to say because you just meme, like don't just do it. Don't anyway, that's my classic thing. It's like, I'm going to do 50 courses and never do the actual thing that I say I want to do. But anyway, in the course, it talks about how memes are actually based on joke structure and how joke structure is about the setup and the punch, obviously the punchline. Like, so, and it's, it's that in itself is a, is a built in punchline, which is the, obviously the, the elite woman who's very proper and then just like the foulness of the and it's like the human mind goes oh this is so weird which is actually kind of how life is a bit that's like the humor of it is how grossly paradoxical it can be at times yeah i love that you just told me about your meme course and you broke it down and you just gave me a little example there that was like that's hilarious that you, <laughs> you can take meme school nowadays <laughs> meme school yeah. Well, I expect some memes out of you now that you took a workshop. I expect uh, I expect to see some work. Okay, thank you. Thank you. That's uh, Hold me to that. And anyone listening, hold me. <laughs> send me a message and be like, where's my meme, dude? <laughs> um, anyway, okay, let's move on. Let's. I'm, I'm getting lost in the world of memes here. Um, so there's something that we talked about last time, which was, I mean, we touched on it. Because like, in a way, I'm having this weird experience. I don't know what it's like in America, but where everyone's kind of like forgotten that the last two and a half years happened. Everyone's like kind of mm. back to normal, the thing everyone was mm. looking for and was seeking. And yet there's this like, 
this tip of the iceberg, now Titanic is about to freaking crash or something, but it feels weird. And so what is your experience of these last years? How have they changed you? How have they changed us as a society? What is just, what's your perspective on that vibe? You know, I'm so grateful that you brought it up because sometimes I feel like I'm the only one who feels that. I truly feel like, you know, I think a lot of us throughout the last two years have walked around kind of just like observing society or witnessing what's going on and be like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? Am I in the Truman Show? Is is this real? Am I the only one who's crazy for calling this out? And I was just thinking about this the other day because um, in the United States, there's various cities that were a lot more intense about the restrictions than others. And LA was definitely one of the more intense ones. LA, New York, San Francisco. If you went to those, you were sure bet to get like the ultimate fear mongering. And um, at one time here, you know, a lot of buildings were boarded up. Every single person outside, even on a hike, was wearing a mask, if not two. And restrictions were just out of control, like the amount of washing hands that was going on. And all of a sudden, once they released like the mask mandate and then the travel restrictions out there kind of got a little less and less, it's like you said, all of a sudden, it's like it never happened. Um, and every once in a while, you're reminded because there's that one person who comes in with a mask, you know, um, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's that was happening. But I think what it did for me is, honestly, it was a beautiful experience in some sense and a very lonely experience. The loneliness was that I felt like um, I didn't mesh well with certain friend groups that weren't seeing it or felt like uh, aligned with the political ideology. So that felt very lonely. But it also helped me see true colors because I think people will talk a true game about freedom or sovereignty or my body, my choice until it actually comes down to the realness of it. Like, how do you really feel? And it reminds me of being a yoga teacher, right? Where we'll just say these like words in class and, you know, quote masters about how, you know, we lead our own lives and we have our own free choice. And then the next minute you're in their class and they're wearing five masks and they're like sanitizing everything. And they're like in complete fear and you're like, no. And so I, I think it actually really helped me see true colors. But there is a part of me that goes, what's next? And I can't help but think that way. And I don't want to be this, you know, um, pessimist. I don't want to be that. But I also am just in that place where I know that if the whole group of population can follow that one thing there. It's possible they will follow the next thing that comes through that they're told to do. And so there is a little bit of me going, um, I, I, I know who to trust now and I'm kind of know who to go, Hmm, let me observe and witness first before I engage, you know, and I don't know how you feel about that. I'm actually curious to hear your point of view. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's something I'm just really starting to come into an awareness of is how how much under the rug thing, it's, there's no, not really an acknowledgement. So it's one thing if everything happened and then they go, oh my gosh, like, wow, the story changed a lot. And, you know, you guys were pretty stable people like us who were from the beginning going like, this doesn't make sense. Like, this just doesn't line up. There's pieces here that aren't working. And even to what you're speaking to around... Uh, my body, my choice. That was actually the poem that inspired this whole podcast was we are already free. And there's a line in that poem where it says, um, it says, I'll, I'll do that little piece. I won't do the whole thing. But basically, imagine if I told you that for the good of all, you could no longer eat a takeout, drink Coca-Cola or consume fear. Sorry, I, I mean media globally owned by five corporations, but perhaps let's save that for a future explanation. Imagine if I said that the science was in, that living a life of joy, natural food and movement was the solution and you'd no longer be allowed to spend your days inside your house on your couch wrapped in fear, but you'd have to come outside, sit around the fire, make love, music, laughter and tears, give your time to serve earth and your relations for all your years. How would you feel if I dictated your state from my external place? It wouldn't work, would it? Because it's your body, your choice. Anyway, that's the, that's the middle of the poem. But, mic but, drop. Mic, mic drop. drop. Oh. 
<laughs> but it's that point of how how interesting people get so hooked on like and then immediately afterwards, the whole abortion thing came up and everyone's like, oh, it's my body, my choice. I'm like, you literally were saying the opposite thing. And they're like, oh, well, it wasn't for a catchable disease. And I'm like, it's not. It's You you can't. It's it's either my body, my choice, or it's not. Yeah, pick, like, choose it. And I honor your choice. But like, come now. Let's, let's choose it. Anyway, so what's happened, though, since I've seen where people are, like, I posted something recently. And I've, I really try not to do things like this because it always ends up in just polarization. And I get so, I'm like, I don't want to do this. It's boring. Um, but I posted something on Twitter, which was this Pfizer head person, whatever, where some um, parliamentary member in the EU was just saying, like, just give me a straight answer. Did you or did you not know? And she's like, oh, we didn't know if it was going to stop transmission. And he's like, okay. And then I shared that and people are like, oh, well, it was never meant to. It was like just going to help it and then help. And then, but then there's like thousands of videos. And I remember them saying like, if you do this vaccine, it will stop it in its tracks. This yeah. is why you have to do it. It's going to keep everyone safe. And I'm like, but then it's just this this whitewashing of like, oh, no, 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 no. They didn't mean that. They didn't mean that. And I'm, so there's this part of me. Anyway, so that's the first part of it. Then the next part to what you were asking is, I don't. I think this is really only the beginning. I, I really do, and that's. And I say that with all like, like empathy for all of us as we are navigating a massive rebirthing, and that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, and it's why I'm looking at creating even an online community that I hope can eventually start to support people in creating their own like pockets wherever they are in using the tools of breath work and connection and conscious communication and whatever they need so that we can, like, build our own sort of libraries of the kind of visions and tools and life that we want to be living because I think it's going to get a lot harder to keep focusing on like what can I do and anyway yeah. that's that's just some of my thoughts in brief. oh yeah <laughs> well you know I mean the piece you pointed out earlier like the the gaslighting is so real that I don't even think people are aware of it and that's the piece when I say I don't trust anymore it's not like I don't trust from a place of like oh I'm scared of everyone uh I can't trust any people it's more of like where's your discernment and if you don't have that I don't think we can be aligned and engaged in a healthy uh relationship meaning a lot of my community around me in LA who are walking daily in this kind of isolated state of where they just followed, followed, followed the orders and even forgot the orders, right? Because they forgot that it kept changing. And if you took them back to all the news clips and all the constant media where they're like, don't worry, if you get the vaccine, you're no longer going to transmit it. And that is what led to this like deep, deep hatred of unvaccinated people because we wouldn't get this thing that would solve everything. And that piece they forgot about very easily. And I think that just shows you the mentality, the state that you're able to constantly put yourself in is that, is that you're able to kind of live in this weird bubble where first this thing exists and then all of a sudden it doesn't exist. And then this thing exists and all of a sudden does it. And I think that's the, uh, if you look at just pattern recognition of like how abusers and um, their, you know, the abusees, if you call them, interact, that is like the classic um, kind of uh, way in which, you know, an abuser culture kind of goes is that the people being abused, so to speak, or people being kind of under a spell don't even realize it at one point. And so then the truthers pointing it out are like the evil <laughs> monsters. And we're like, no, 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 we're not against you. We're not against you. We're just like pointing out like the obvious here. And to your point about building community, I think that's what we have to do at this point, right? Like, sure, we can keep pointing these out, but you're realizing it's not really working and there's no acknowledgement and there's no ownership. There's no responsibility. So then what do we do? And I love that you're doing this and having these conversations because I really do think we need to get to the point of what do we do? What are the solutions? Maybe it is our own community. Maybe it is sharing in a collective like we used to. Um, so that part I'm actually looking forward to. I'm really looking forward to as an alternative. Yeah, someone on... Was it just, oh, I had a wonderful woman on the podcast. Well, I have spoke with her. It's not out yet, but Amber of Mythic Medicine. 
and mm. we had a lot of fun as well. And she, one of the funny things is we kept trying to, we kept remembering quotes, but like neither of us could remember the quotes we knew very well. So we were like, I think it goes something like this. And then anyway, the one that she, she <laughs> quoted was, I think Buckminster Fuller, where he's like, if you want to make a change, don't fight against the old, just build something awesome that everyone mm. will want to be a part of. And I just really think like, no matter how hard it gets, I, I, I noticed this for myself, like in the last two, three months, I've really reshifted again gears of like where I was, I was really starting to fall apart again, which I guess, you know, life goes in cycles and it's all good. But what I did was I just started working out consistently for the first time, actually for the first time in my life, really, I've done yoga and breath work and all these other, but like actually throwing heavy things around, like swinging kettlebells and being like feeling very sweaty and tired and frustrated. And it's changing my whole life. And it's changing it because I have more capacity to meet the world differently. So by, instead of worrying about, oh, there's a million things, oh no, there's now, now there's what's mon monkey box or some terrible war somewhere or some brutality that's, that I have to really give all my energy to. It's like, I'm giving energy to, to, you know what it is? It's actually, there's a line that I thought of the other day, your heart is a temple. I am worshiping in it. And it's like, I think about my heart is also a temple. So like when I see the hearts of everyone as a temple and when I see my heart as a temple, it's like, what do I want people who come to my temple to experience? I want them to be like, wow, look at the sunlight shining through the clean stained glass windows. All the doors are open. There's like flowers hanging off the walls. And there's just a sense of like the holy, joyous, crazy, wild, real nowness unfolding. And they can walk into that and just be like, hella fucking Luya, I am home. And for my temple to be like that, I got to show up for my work. I got to do it for me. And so, I don't know, how does that, what, how does that land for you? What does that bring up? That lands like perfectly because what it makes me think of is when my colleague and I, I decided to finally take this path of leading some of these really intimate but powerful retreats, we saw the faces of these people that felt like that sense of like freedom and relief for the first time in their life in a long time. And again, it, I don't want to give the impression that plant medicines are the fixer, the healer of everything, but the way in which we um, decided to lead these retreats, we're like, what kind of world do we want to live in? That's what we were asking ourselves. What kind of world do we strive to live in? Something that is safe, connected, playful, deep, right? Uh, compassionate. And we just started building the week that they were going to spend on this beautiful land so intentionally. From beginning to end, everything was very intentional. And it was this freedom of place where they're, we're not talking about, uh, you know, news, our bills, we're not on our phones. This is for yourself in service to yourself in service to your higher self. And we're going to see where this goes and we're going to be in community and we're going to connect and we're going to hold you down. And if you, I even sometimes look back at the videos that I share from the retreat and others, and I see others, how they react. They go, whatever that is, I, I want some of that. Because I think we've lost sight of that, how possible that is and how easy it actually is to get. If we just turn our focus from <laughs> like Biden speaking on, on whatever he's speaking on and we just shift it and we're like, oh, actually I can create the life I want. Actually, I can live in sisterhood and community. I can live amongst people that I don't agree with on everything, but we can be in love, you know? And so that really resonates with me. Mm, beautiful. Well, I, I'd love to hear a bit more about those, if you don't mind sharing, I mean, whatever's available, but like a little bit, maybe one of the processes that you would take people through and, and just kind of a, a, a sort of overview of what these retreats are and, and, and what it is that they, they serve and how, how they serve pe the people who come. Yeah. So we call them uh, plant medicine immersion retreats. Um, and really it's, it's there to kind of um, like I said, very intentionally from beginning to end. So we start with a detox. We start with Cambo medicine, which is really to purify the body. And it, it, it has this beautiful way of kind of like searching for any impurities in the body. It's very intense. But a lot of people will either purge emotionally or they were purge physically. And what I find that does, it just clears the slate for yourself. You know, there's so many processed foods. There's so many... Um, I mean, even if we talk about kind of the 
the media dumping and the constant hustle life culture that we get, we take that on as density, right? And the whole point of Canvo is to create lightness in the body so that you can receive and be open to some of the other medicines and the foods that we're serving. And we start with that and we move into psilocybin, which is all about the heart space, all about uh, self-compassion and compassion for others. And a lot of people end up doing a lot of inner child work through those journeys and we're there to support them. And throughout the whole week, we're, we're staying in a lot of different rituals. We're spending a lot of time with nature, spending a lot of time with self, um, working on the nervous system, doing yoga, so that we're so, so grounded. So by the time we get to grandmother ayahuasca, people really, really feel in their bodies and in their sense of self so that they can journey with grandmother ayahuasca, who tells you the truth, <laughs> tells you the truth, but also really is there to hold and support you. And um, yeah, the purpose is really just for a lot of people, they say, you know, I'm done with this stage of my life and I really want clarity on what's next. Or they say, um, I'm really sick and tired of the same pattern that keeps coming up and I want an opportunity to create a new pattern. And a lot of what these medicines do is they're pattern interrupters. And they give you that space to finally feel that sense of your true essence that does feel safe, that does feel love, and that can fill the cup with something else, right? And I think what my colleague and I found that was missing, because you can go to any retreat, right? And you can have a great time. But what, what happens when you come back? What happens... Um, when you integrate all that wisdom, how do you integrate that into your daily life? And we found that was a missing piece because people would come back with these amazing sacred ceremony stories and they can just not stop telling them. But what are you going to do in your life daily that's really going to speak to that? Because at the end of the day, I'm human and I have to live in this world, in this meat suit. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we have to do. And so how do you use that wisdom in your daily life? And that is where the, the ticket is for me, even for myself, I have to do that daily. Thank you for speaking to integration. For me, integration has been one of the things I've missed many, many times. And it's still, I think it's the real work, like the, 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 the transformation or the, as you said, it like creates the, the state shift. But what I've noticed, it's almost like my, my dad has this saying, I don't know where he got it from, but um, the only difference between a rut and the grave is the depth. The only difference between a rut and the grave is the depth. And um, and I realized that even though I'll have these state shifts, and I mean, even my last journey with psilocybin was such a good example. Like I just broke through and I was just fully present. I was like, oh, this is all so simple. Like I'm just here. And I was in the thick of the journey. Like, thick, it wasn't even on the other I was in it, but I was just totally like not in the slightest bit overwhelmed. I was just like, wow, I'm just, and that's when I actually came up with a line for one of my poems or I came up, but it came through as an obvious expression of what I was experiencing because I looked around at the room of people around me, just these most beautiful people. And all that I needed to say was, I love being me with you. It was like, that was just the most true thing I could say is I love being me with you. And I think as I say it, I feel like it, it, there's a resonance of like, I'm not talking about, I, I don't love being like the guy who's all worried about, is, am I enough? Am I not enough? Should I do this? Should I do that? With, or, and I, but I love being me with you, with the, the me with the you, where we can just be in it together. Like, that's it. And, and then I came out of that and I completely didn't do pretty much any of the thing, the insights that I had got. Like, it was amazing that I could still walk away from an experience like that and be like, no, I'm not going to play music every day and celebrate and be in the present mm. and like love everyone and just show up and serve 100%. Um, and so, yeah, integration is something I think a lot about. So it's lovely to hear of a process that, that, that can support people in that really effectively. Yeah. And I feel like that's so common though. What you're speaking of, I think everybody goes through, even if you're teaching this stuff, everybody goes through it. And I think depending on where you live too, my mentor Tahira talks about this a lot. It's like, there are cities and places in the world that feel more dense than others. Um, so U.S. is a perfect example of a very dense country, a very divisive country, a very like, ah, constantly like, you know, shiny things everywhere. And so we got to remember that like when I'm coming from the Dominican Republic on this like beautiful island where like, you know, there's just silence and then there's beach and there's birds. Um, and then I come back to the United States where there's just like this frenetic energy 
I really have to protect that space to integrate some of those messages more so than I would, um, you know, if I was on a farm by myself, kind of, and I had more of that time and space and that silence to really kind of integrate that. And so to be really compassionate to ourselves that we live in these two polar opposite worlds, like, you know, one that's so simple and loving in psilocybin. And then you come back to this space where there's like horns honking everywhere. And like, there's even a, a, a dump truck behind me right now making noises in the alleyway. And, you know, people saying F you in traffic. So you really have to give yourself a lot of compassion. And I think you, what you do so beautifully though, I think speaks to your, your bridging a gap. So your poetry bridges a gap between the divine and this world. And so when you're speaking your poetry, people feel something that they don't even know what that is, but it's a very similar feeling to being on psilocybin, I would say, because they're like, there's so much truth in there. And in that moment, I felt light and I felt love. And he said so much in a short amount of time, right? And so I feel like your poetry serves that same purpose that even a plant medicine would. Well, that's very beautiful. Thank you so much. And and it's um, it's funny. I just was thinking a few days ago about like what is my what is the thing I'm proud of in myself? And it and I was the first thing is I'm a I'm a skilled communicator. And I realized like and I've just had an, an insight. I was like, yes, I am. And that's not the thing that I'm like. I'm proud of that, but I'm proud of that because what that means is I get to be a good messenger. I'm not a communicator. I'm a messenger. And and like I even have full goosebumps as I'm saying this because I'm just realizing that if the best thing that I can do is have this temple clean so that the message that I personally am here to bring, which is simply the message that all, every messenger has ever brought, which is that you're it and God is everything and God is love. And yes, we're in this madness together and I love you and and let's just do this thing. And like, that's really that all messengers have ever said. Like when I, when I read Hafiz or Rumi or some of Jesus's speeches or Buddha, like I'm like, oh yeah, we're all, it's the same message. And so just thank you for resonating that. And interestingly, there's an extra piece there, which is that I've been playing music professionally for 10 years, or I was doing that up until relatively recently. And one of the things that was always missing was that it, I would have the ceremony of the show where people would we, I'd be in someone's home or something and we'd have this experience. And just naturally, I would witness the, whoa, the hearts opening, the tears flowing, the laughter, the, like, the connection, people becoming themselves again, just letting go of all the other stories. And then they would go on with their everyday lives and they would slip back into, and I would just see it like again and again, how the rut. And I was like, I feel like I want to offer more than just the message, the message is important, but the integration is where the message becomes embedded in daily life. And that's why I've become a coach and a facilitator and a breathwork instructor and all these Ooh. things so that I can now support people on all those levels and fulfill like the, yeah. the holistic flowering of that gift, which I feel like you guys are doing with your retreats when I hear you speak about it in that way. Yeah. And it's important to us to not only meet with them before, during and after so that we can and how we view integration. I saw a beautiful a definition of it is having to do with unifying all the parts into yourself as a whole, right? So if you if you view kind of all these fragmented pieces of yourself scattered about everywhere, but we have these moments in plant medicine, you know, ceremonies where we actually see those parts for what they are without the judgment. And that really helps them all kind of come together slowly in this like one big, you know, beautiful family, you know. And so that's kind of what I see is unifying all those parts that may have been scattered before or compartmentalized. And they're all part of us. How do we embrace all those parts and how do we use them to serve us? I love that. I, I feel as though I've been fighting an internal war for most of my life. And it's taken me a long time to realize it was an internal war. It was often projected outward into, oh, well, what happened to me when I was a child or my parents divorce or not getting this need met or that. And then, oh, well, now it's just that I don't fit into society. And there was always a story about how something outside is the thing. And and then over time realizing like, oh my God, I am I'm the one who's constantly like, 
that part of me that just wants to lie in bed all day and do nothing, I fucking didn't. I'm like, that part's a shit. That part's a bad part. And I'm like, but that part is a part of me. It's a desire that I have within me at some place. And this is very, like, I'm working on this now of like, how can I meet those different places and go like, hi, you're a part of me. What's, what, what's the message? Like, how are we going to navigate this one together? <laughs> so I really appreciate hearing that. Thank you. Yeah. And for me, you know, my part is I think I probably spent most of my teens and my 20s in just severe anxiety, severe heightened anxiety. And I, I think part of it was because I just all my inner child just needed a little attention. So it just kept getting louder and louder and louder. And I noticed when I have little check-ins with her or that piece that just needs uh, a little bit softness and a little bit of attention and a little bit of grounding, then it's not the story about, oh my God, I'm so anxious. Oh my God, I'm going crazy. Oh my God, life is so hard. Oh my God, life is so overwhelming, right? That's always been my story. It's so overwhelming. Um, but it, it's more about like, hey, can you just say hi to me? You know, like, <laughs> can you just sit down with me and have a cup of tea? Can you just, you know, and so the, the reframing of that is, is my work in this world as well. So when I see others that are, have high anxiety, I actually really resonate with them. Um, I used to judge it and I used to judge myself. And now that I, I don't judge them anymore because I'm like, oh, yeah, when you live in a hypervigilant society with a hustle culture and, you know, add in traumatic childhood and add in, you know, climbing the corporate ladder or all the responsibilities that we have as a mother and, you know, a father and, you know, like a sister and a brother and, you know, a good worker, then, you know, you might heighten that anxiety. So let's go back to the basics, go back to just having a conversation with yourself. So that's my work right now, even to this day, this is my work. Yeah, that integrating of all the selves. Well, so there's something I wanted to ask a moment ago. You were talking about work and like being the worker. And this is actually very present for me right now. I'm I'm working with a beautiful coach, a master coach who's training me up to kind of move in, in the master coach direction, which I freaking love that so much. Anyway, but one of the we just did some work around being versus doing or or being and doing and which comes first and how do we navigate that? And so I'm curious to hear like how do you see this idea of being creators in a world of job titles. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. You know, this is, uh, this is also part of my life's work because I think uh, when I started the film making process, it was the first time of me becoming a true entrepreneur, right? Like I made this thing from scratch and I built the team and I helped raise the money and wow, I get to do this thing. But my approach was taken from the kind of uh, typical corporate world or the world that we're brought up in, which is a very like do, 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 very like masculine, hyper-masculine approach, I would say, in always being productive, right? And I think what happened to me after I released the film and I kind of took a breath, I said to myself, wow, it was all about the end result, Next time, if I take on a project, I have to promise myself that I will also enjoy the journey. I will also stop more. And the reason I probably didn't do that as often during the film is that I had this fear, probably that I wouldn't be enough if I wasn't on top of it, right? Like there's this idea that we won't accomplish or be successful if we're not always doing, becoming present in this creative process, me even being taking two hours for myself under a tree is also part of the creative process. And so I think where my shift is, and I think it's still happening, is that I had a hyper-masculine approach and then I took a sabbatical and I did almost the hyper-feminine approach where I was like, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to do absolutely nothing. I'm just going to lie under a tree and look at this tree for a while. And I'm now learning how to bridge both. When does my action piece need to come in? You know, during the retreat, for example, that would be like two weeks down. I really got to check on all the contractors that we're using and all the things. But I can also take moments for myself to just do some slow yoga or meditation because how I'm going to show up for these attendees is, is, is going to matter. 
And so if I learn how to take care of myself, and that's what I'm starting to, to, to leave time for is the taking care of myself, not just the doing. Um, even yesterday, as an example, before I got into Instagram Live, I felt this hyper anxiety again, you know, and like this over preparation. And I just sat there in the silence of the, the whatever. I think there was 10 minutes before we had to go live. I just sat there in silence. I thought like, oh, what should I do before with this 10 minutes? And I just said, nope, I'm going to sit here in the silence. And I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> I should do that more often. Um, so I'm still learning, Nathan. I'm still learning. I suppose that's part of the fun is is that we are all still learning. Like uh, if it was all solved, then I don't know if we'd still be here, maybe. Yeah. How does that show up for you when, you know, the being versus the doing? Because you're doing a lot with this podcast, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, that's a very good question. And thank you. I feel like I've spoken as much as you have in this episode. You keep turning it around on me. <laughs> it's, the, um, it's the journalist in me. I can't help yeah, it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, it's good. I'm really enjoying this conversation. So that's all good. Um, it's a great question. I, I have a, an obsession with doing, or I've had an obsession with doing, and I realize you know, I joke about insecurities, et cetera. And I also know that that is my shadow is this feeling of not enough that if I just like let go of my mind, it kind of defaults to, well, you aren't doing good enough or you're too much. And, uh, and then like, it's, there's, there's so many ways to, it's weird that the thought that's coming up now is the book, the beauty myth that is, is a horrifying truthful look at how women have been controlled by beauty by the idea the concept of beauty and how that's limited women in the world and i'm pretty sure it was in that book where she talks about the fine line of like being beautiful is it's you can't be too fat can't be too thin can't wear too much makeup can't wear too little makeup can't and it's like that i just suddenly had that image of like that's in a way my default uh, like nervous system setup so the way that I'm prioritizing being more, and I'm so glad I had the session with my my coach yesterday. Thank you, Sophia, is because I've kind of got language for it now where I was kind of still trying to work out what was happening, but now I'm doing ice baths. And an ice bath to me, it's weird because it is the it's a it's the most uncomfortable thing possible. And yet it is the quickest way for me to go through the entire gamut of Oh my God, this is terrible. I hate this. I don't want to do it. Uh, I'm panicking. I'm dying. I'm ter. I suck. I want to get out. I, uh, my body, my, what all the stories. And I just sit there watching it and I just go, cool. Just keep slowing the breath down. Just keep letting the body go. Just keep relaxing. And every time, and the mind, and sometimes I think I'm, oh, I'm going to get out. I'm gonna, and I'm like, okay, you want to get out? We're just going to stay in. Like, just take another breath. Just stay. And, and, I, and it's like I'm learning to reparent because I can't use the critic. If I use the voice of like, you're a fucking failure, I, I, I'll die. Like, there's, I can't. That old parent critic voice just doesn't work in that environment. So I have to be like, I know it's hard. I'm here with you. I love you. This is doing such beautiful stuff for us. Just take another breath. Just slow it down. I know, okay, your shoulders are tight. Just let them go. And then within a 30 seconds to a minute, I come into congruency with myself. I become congruent and I am just there. And I usually open my eyes at that point because my eyes are closed. And then suddenly I'll just open my eyes and I'm just looking around me. I'm like, oh, I am 100% here. I'm just here. Here I am. And it's like so calm. And so that to yep. me is, that's kind of how I'm recalibrating yep. my entire nervous system to know what being feels like, actually. I love that. You know, it's almost like, to be honest, that's like a faster trajectory than an ayahuasca ceremony because it's the same thing you go through an ayahuasca ceremony, except for eight hours later, you're like, oh yeah, I'm okay. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm holding a leaf with the ice bath. It's like quick. And you reminded me of what athletes do. And they sometimes compare like what athletes do to the discomfort that we have to go through in plant medicines is because I think sometimes people come to us and they're like, why do I have to feel that much discomfort for healing? And it's like, you don't have to, but what athletes do is they put themselves in just a month, just enough discomfort. Meaning like if you're doing sprints, um, over and over and over again, they're building their heart rate variability. and you know, studies show that heart, if you have a high heart rate variability, you tend to have a higher immune system. You tend to have, you know, like, um, just all around better health. Right. But 
in order to do that, they have to put themselves in these slightly outside of their comfort zone, just a tad outside their comfort zone every time. And then that comfort zone uh, expands, 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 meaning you just get used to going, oh, this is a thing that I have to do. I'm not going to die. It's going to be okay. Yes, it's going to be comfortable. Yes, all these thoughts are going to happen. But it ends up being for the greater good because you are you have more muscular ability, you have more heart rate ability, you have, again, the immune system, cardiovascular, everything is working at its like highest, highest state. So uh, you made me think of that when you were talking about the ice bath, which I feel like I need to do more often. <laughs> But I think that those those things get easier in community. So that's why I so appreciate what you guys are doing with your retreats and the fact that you're so focused on support before and after. And then for myself, you know, like I said, that last psilocybin journey, I came out of that and just kind of still fell apart. But then what's shifted in the last few months is that I started going to a men's circle. To to um, uh, Every two weeks I go to a men's group and these dudes are solid. They've done big work. You know, they're ready to meet at the, the like coal face of intensity, like let's not mess around. And I found that even in the few, short time I've been there, just having the circle of dudes who I respect and I want, I want to like, I want to shine. I want them to, see, I want to be someone who feels proud to sit in that circle. And like, just that, those feelings has like really, I had to look at my stuff and I have to confront like, oh, I'm not showing up in these ways. And by the same token, I went in my ice bath for the first time because we, we moved and it was in our old spot and we just brought it up here a few weeks ago. So I set it up, I got it cold. I was like ready to go. And I got in there by myself the first day and I nearly fucking died it was so hard and it wasn't even that it was like it was it was two or three times warmer than i would usually go in. like it wasn't quite just at freezing it was quite a bit above that and i still like i couldn't believe how hard it was and then and i knew i was like oh, it's okay i must just need conditioning but then the next day i had my friend over and i was like hey do you want to get in the bath and he's like yeah let's do it and by the two of us doing it together i felt so much more capable of getting in then he was like I could talk him through it and I felt more like excited to go into the hard place because I he's my friend and I'm like we're doing a cool thing together and like so I guess what I'm saying is this feeling for me is like I'm so fucking tired of trying to do it all alone I'm so tired of the yes. story of aloneness it's such a crap story yep. <laughs> it's such a crap story like we are meant to be in community we are that's like why we're here we are meant to connect and when you talk about your nervous system, right? Like how we regulate. And I think about the amount of parties I went to in LA where I was co-regulating with other people's nervous systems that were just as nervous as I was or more nervous. And we're all having these like phony conversations where we don't want to be there. None of us want to be there, but we go, right? And I think, oh, you know, like just, you know, you and your buddy who are like, we're in this together. Don't worry. I feel what you feel. All the crazy thoughts that are coming up, you know, in my head, I'm going to say them out loud and we're going to laugh about it. And it makes the experience so much better. And I think that's when people come to us through the retreats. They sometimes when we interview them say, well, I don't know if I can say this to you because it sounds really crazy and weird. And we're like, no, 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 no. Don't worry. Whatever you say, we have heard before. And all of a sudden their body settles and goes, okay, I can be here i can be myself in community whatever i say they're not going to judge and it's going to be all gravy and and i can go through this uncomfortable purging experience and laugh about it yeah i mean that's to me that's like the deepest medicine of all is to because otherwise what's the point if like oh, i'm doing all this healing i do all these medicines and i'm still alone <laughs> it's like no it has to it has to take <laughs> the, 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 that next step of like okay i mean the medicine actually told me that the first few times i worked with psilocybin because i was so scared of showing my brokenness like i i was like i'm just gonna go and heal in my little castle of isolation and then when i'm all better mm. then i can show the wonderful shiny nathan to the whole world and everything will be fine and and i think my third session where it was just me and a facilitator holding space it was actually my partner carly where she sat for me it was before i'd been sitting with someone else and we'd kind of reached a point where we felt good for that and she sat and the medicine literally was just like i get it you th you, you think you're alone you think you need to be alone but you're not and even here lying here now you are one of the parts of the waves of the frequencies on the ocean of life you are never alone and it was literally like, not in words but in it it was like please go and sit in a circle and and work with the medicine it's going to be you need to do that now and so i did <laughs> and it's been amazing i love that psilocybin's like go be with people go do 
do that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of to your point, one of the last messages that I got in psilocybin, just to kind of side note about the, right in the beginning, um, we're kind of like, we get that call, we get that, you know, call that force within us that just has to do something. So we take it on and we, we go on this journey. And so we're like, okay, I'll take the psilocybin. And then all of a sudden you're like, shoot, why did I do that? Why did I do that? This is so uncomfortable. This is stupid. And then you just kind of push through and you keep going, you keep going. You're like, this is so hard. This is so hard. And then boom, the message comes and you're like, wow. And the whole point of the hero's journey is so that you can go back and teach it or share it. And that's the piece, teach it or share it or live it, embody it. And, and I think that is something that I learned with it as well. It's like, okay, this is just another version of the hero's journey. The same things show up all the time. Yeah. I love that you brought up the hero's journey. It's, I haven't actually spoken about it recently, but I'm a bit obsessed about it because it is just such a gorgeous way to describe and to contextualize. So, so here's the way that I've contextualized it is that some time ago, I think I even saw a post and I had talked about this in songs, but I'd never put this final piece together, which is that the word universe, universe means one song or one story, universe. And so then I got, I was like, when I saw that, I was like, oh, of course I've been, I sang that one song. It's all music. That's all about how it's all one song singing itself. And then I thought further and thought, okay, well, if it is one story, what is the story? And when I really started diving into the hero's journey, I was like, oh, it's the hero's journey because it's the monomyth. As Joseph Campbell discovered, the, the hero's journey is the one story that every human culture across time and space has ever told is the hero's journey. And so having that remembrance and reconnecting with like, I can actually contextualize every layer of my life through the hero's journey that I'm having this like ordinary experience that's kind of okay, but there's stuff missing. It's not quite right. And then I get called on adventure. And I love the part I love about the call to adventure is that the hero immediately goes, actually, no, I don't want to do it. There's the refusal of the call. It's like, actually, I'm good. I, I, you know, I actually think I'm fine. <laughs> and I just think that's so sweet. It's like, I, and it's like when I've eaten the mushrooms and I start to feel, I'm like, actually, I'm good. I just want to go home. I think I'm fine. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. I'm out. I'm out. And I, I feel like that's what happened with my retreats as well. My colleague and I talk about how we didn't like, we weren't like thinking about like, how do we change our LinkedIn profile? What's the next thing we're going to do? Oh, we're going to, we're going to, you know, run ceremonies and plant medical integrations. But like, we had no clue that we were going to do this. We just kept getting called. And we also were like, um, you know, we, we have to do some deep inner work for this uh, to be possible. I don't know if I want to do this. I just kind of want to go back to the normal world where, you know, I don't have to see this stuff. You know, we both go through that constantly. Well, we're coming to the end here and I've so enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Lily. So, so I'd just like to ask you, and you can take as much time as you need, like whatever, whatever comes up, but what do the words we are already free mean to you? Yeah, if I reflect on the past two years, especially, I feel like that has become um, even more important to me. And it has revealed itself to be so true that uh, before there was governmental, you know, policies put in place, before there was ever, you know, corporate structures or rules and regulations or whatever you call it, you know, humans probably had this sense that we have a choice. And it's still true. We have a choice to lead a life any way you want, with or without uh, so-called rules, so-called laws, so-called whatever. You, you truly have a choice. And what it has made me feel is that I am more powerful than I realize I am. Because when you, when you embody that power that we all truly have, um, you are free. I feel like doors do open up. I feel like, um, yeah, I think of the word, I think of the word choice and I think of the word sovereignty, right? You reign, it's like a sovereignty. You reign over yourself. You are the king or queen of yourself. And it sounds like just lip service, but I've truly come to believe it's so true. 
even when you believe it's not true and people are saying, well, you got to fear X, Y, and Z, or there's a mandate coming or whatever, you are always free. You're already free. You are already free. Um, so I love that that is the name of your podcast because in the last two years I have seen and I know it to be true. I know it to be true. Well, thank you so much, Lily. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to just share. For me, I think what I've got out of this and how I'll probably speak about this and let people know. I always thinking of like, how can I let someone know if this is the episode for them? Like, what? And I think I would say to someone, if you've been feeling heavy, and if you've been taking stuff mm. seriously. I think this is the episode for that. So thank you for bringing your lightness and your joy and your humor and your, and, and, but it's rooted, right? So like the humor isn't an avoidance, it's an acknowledgement. And I think there's a big, there's power in that. So thank you so much. And just the final thing is where can people find you? So yeah, the two places, Instagram, Lily Zapeta, and the same thing, my website will be up soon. It's lilyzapeta.com. So those are the two places you can find me. Awesome. Thanks again, Lily. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'm sure at some point we'll be on here chuckling about some random shit again at some point. So thank you. Random shit is the name of my game. So I appreciate <laughs> you so much. <laughs> thank you again to Lily Zapeda for a really enjoyable, chuckly, giggly conversation i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did i really enjoyed editing this one and just listening back to all the the fun that we had it's such an important reminder right that we can still we we gotta laugh we have to be able to laugh at some point within whatever is unfolding if the laughter is completely gone then it's possible that we're missing the point somewhere along the way and obviously sometimes laughter just isn't present so you can find links to Lily and all the things we talk about in the show notes or on whatever podcast app you're using. Otherwise, what I'd recommend and invite is to join the We Are Already Free community where you can meet other listeners, comment directly on the episodes, ask questions, find all the show notes and heaps more. Uh, you can go to alreadyfree.me forward slash community for more info on how to join. Doing so supports both yourself and the production of this podcast. It makes a massive difference. So thank you very much. Either way, please do be sure to just share the heck out of this episode, leave a review wherever you listen, especially if it's on Apple Podcasts as they allow written reviews. And if you're on Spotify, it's so easy. If you're on the app, you literally just open up this and just tap the star and you're, you're pretty much done. <laughs> so, so if you could do that, that'd be rad. Everything is in the show notes, beautiful listener. You can just go to alreadyfree.me forward slash 015. And, and you'll get it all. You get it all. You've got it all. You're amazing. You are already free. I can't wait for next week. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to be on this journey with you. I mean, what a gift that we get to choose what we focus on. We get to choose where our attention, where our energy goes. That is a profoundly powerful realization. And that's why they call it the present, because it's a gift. So here we are in the present, gifting each other with our time, energy, and attention. What a gorgeous intention we are manifesting together. Blessings. I'll see you next week.